are in a series called Open Handed, and we are ending it uh, today. It's just been a three-week series. We've been talking about generosity, uh, taking a look at what does it mean to live our lives open-handed, to be generous. One of the things that we've done in each week of this series is hand out kindness cards, cards that you can give. says, just a little extra to show you that God loves you as we encourage you to bless people. Buy a cup of coffee, pay for the person in line behind you, rake their leaves, shovel their snow, do, do something like that. And uh, you all have been doing that. And I just wanted to share two quick stories with you. One was from a lady named Shannon. She said, I saw a man riding a bicycle in the rain back behind this gas station. So I stopped, asked him if he'd like a cup of coffee. He said he would, so I met him in the gas station, got him an extra large coffee, gave him the card, and invited him to church this Wednesday. His name is Brian, so please pray with me that God makes a way for him to get to church. Just something a little small like that. Another lady named Kaylee, in their neighborhood for Veterans Day, they found out who their neighbors were that were veterans, and they baked them cookies to say thank you for your service, and we appreciate you, and then passed out a card just to say thank you. It's those little things, those little acts of kindness that I think communicate the message of the gospel more than a megaphone in your hand yelling at someone ever could. When you demonstrate it, when you live it out, not just when you talk about it. So I want to encourage you to keep giving those out. Don't just let it stop with the end of this series. We have more at the registration desk. Be generous this time of the year. This time of the year is when suicide and depression just goes through the roof. I don't fully understand it. It's just a time when people are looking for someone uh, to encourage them, to love them, to just show the love of Christ to them. And this is a very simple way that anybody can do, regardless of how much you have or how little you have. You can give the gift of your time and your presence and even maybe some resources to people through that little thing. As we've been talking about generosity, we defined it week number one as this, that giving and generosity are different. Giving is just the exchange of a resource from one person to another or to an organization, but that generosity, if you look it up in the dictionary, is this. It's showing a readiness to give more of something than is necessary or required. A readiness to do more, meaning that it's a decision. It's an attitude. It's not an emotion that we feel. It's a readiness to give more of something than is required. The working definition, though, that is this for generosity is that it's really just making a decision to orient your life around being used by God. To orient your life around being used by God. If I were to ask, who would like to be used by God here this morning, I would believe that the majority of us would say, yes. And if we're going to be used by God, we can't help but be generous because he's a generous God. For God so loved that he gave. We are the recipients of the generosity of God. And he is a God of abundance. Last week we talked about abundance and said, what is it? Is it success? Is it achievement? Is it more stuff? Is it piles of money? No. That living in abundance is living with all that God has for us. That he himself, he says, I am the God who is more than enough. And we put him first. Because I believe this. I believe that every person in here wants to be generous. You want to be. But the reason is is that we're not. We say, I want to be, but I can't. And I think the reason is, is because we talked about these two cycles that we live in, these mindsets, that we've adopted a scarcity mindset, which is what the world proliferates. And it says this, God supplies. We believe God supplies everything, right? He supplies, and for most of us, that's weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, or bi-monthly, however your supply comes. God supplies, but what we do is we consume, Now, we don't just consume on bad things. 
We consume. We pay bills. We buy groceries. We do all that stuff. And sometimes we consume more than what we should have, and then we lack. We don't have enough to make ends meet. We don't have enough till the end of the month or whenever. And so as we lack, then we fear. We're afraid. Like, I'm not going to look at my bank account. I'm just going to trust that it's going to be there. We medicate the fear by doing what? Consuming more. Right? I consume. We have credit cards, whatever. We consume. So we consume. We lack. We fear. We consume. And we get stuck in this cycle. And the way that we break this cycle is we put God first. We make a decision to put God first in our finances and with every area of our life. That introduces us to God's cycle, which is completely different. His cycle is a cycle of abundance. So God supplies. The first thing we do is we give. We trust God. Then God multiplies. As we see God multiply, our faith grows, and then we learn to be generous and trust God, and then we give. So God supplies. We give. He multiplies. Our faith grows, and we give. The only way to learn to be generous is to be generous. It's not giving in to the lie that says, when I have more, then I'll be generous. It doesn't work that way. Statistics tell us the more we have, the less we give. Why? Because we're afraid of losing what we have. The more you have, the more fear is introduced into your life about losing what you have, and we put a tighter grip on what we have. But the thing about fear is, fear causes us to do what we fear the most. So the way that we separate ourselves from the power of stuff and the power of of the love of money is not to give it all away, right? Not to not have any, but is to give, to put God first. Last week, we talked about that living in abundance, living in all that God has for us by putting him first. This week, what I want to do is this. I want to be pretty practical and say this, answer this question, how do I become an abundant giver? How do I grow to give abundantly? And I want to give you just three things, three decisions that you have to make, kind of a plan for giving in your life. And the first one is this, is to make a decision to give spontaneously. What do you mean? You see a need, you meet a need. Now, this is where most of us start, but this is where most of us stop. You see a need, you meet a need. You're walking somewhere, someone says, hey, can I have gas money? You saw the need, you met the need. You were glad to meet the need. You were excited to meet the need. However, however, that's where most of us stop. These kind of just, just moments where we are spontaneous, we give, we feel good, and then, and then we move on. And spontaneous giving is really, really good. It's really good. Now, if you were to go with me, uh, we were to go downtown, we go to another country or just somewhere, I'm like a spontaneous need magnet. People find me. It's crazy. They walk past other people, and it's like there's a sign on my forehead that said, this guy will give you money. (laughs) No lie. They won't even ask anybody else in the group. They'll come right to me. So I just stopped carrying cash, right? And they came up and said, oh, it's all right. You can just do it phone to phone, right? You can just... They they will find me. They will walk across... I've I've been at Walmart, and this one time, this lady crossed two or three aisles of traffic, or parked cars... Other people putting groceries in their cars, it came straight to me. And I'm like, what in the world is this? You know, what in the world is this? But you see a need and you meet a need. That's what you do. And it's really good to give spontaneously. We see this in the story of the Good Samaritan, right? The Good Samaritan, he gave not because he was, he was prompted or obligated to give by someone else, but he saw a Jewish man who'd been beaten up. And, and the Jews and the Gentiles, the Samaritans hated each other. The Jews felt that the Samaritans were less than human. The racial tension there was so strong that this Samaritan man, 
sees him, picks him up, bandages his wounds, puts him on his donkey, takes him to the inn, and he pays not only for the expenses, he puts down in case there's more, and then he says, I'll come back tomorrow and I'll give you more or whatever else he spent. He spontaneously gave. Let me read it to you. Luke 10, 35. It says, in the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. We see this spontaneous giving and that's fun. So you see a need, meet a need. Do you have to pray about it? Not really, just do it. Well, what if the person is gonna spend the money on something other than what I want them to spend the money on? What if they're gonna go buy alcohol or drugs or whatever? Now, hey, I think you need to use wisdom, but here's one thing I've learned. I am never responsible for what that person spends the money on. I'm only responsible to be obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. Practically, this is what I've learned. When I really feel the Lord is, or the Holy Spirit is, is prompting me to give, that's when I make the most excuses. That's when I become the most critical. Right? That's when I become like an FBI agent and start to interrogate them. Right? But I'm never responsible for what they do with it. I'm only responsible to be obedient. And for some of us, giving money is the easy thing. It's like, yeah, here you go. Get away from me. Here's five bucks. Go, please, go, go. You just give so you can keep going. Maybe it's not money for you. Maybe it's time. You ever see somebody at the store and you know they're going to want to talk to you so you go the other way? Yeah, I just started going to other stores outside the radius of y'all so I didn't have to see you. I'm I'm just joking. Seriously, I'm just joking. Whatever happened to you, you're like, oh, dear God, I do not have the time. Maybe I have the time. I just don't have the capacity to talk to them for 30 minutes in the toilet paper, paper aisle of Walmart. Or you see, them at the store, you see them at the restaurant, and you're like, they probably want me to invite them to sit with them. I don't want to do that. Maybe a spontaneous gift is a gift of your time because you never know what that person needs. Maybe they just need you to listen and say, I'm praying for you. I love you. It'll be okay. Man, five bucks is five bucks. Time? Your presence? I remember one time I was going to go uh, to visit somebody in a hospice house, and I, I had never done anything like that. I was really young in, 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 in ministry. I'm still young, but I was really young. I'd never done anything like that. And I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and I said, what do I say? What do I do? And he said, Josh, you don't have to say anything. He said, never underestimate the power of your presence. People will remember more that you were there than what you said. And if you feel like you have to say something, don't, because it's probably going to be stupid. That's what he said. Never underestimate the power of your presence. Spontaneously give of your time and yourself to people. You never know what that's going to do for them. You never know that amount of hope it gave them that day to go on that somebody cares. Somebody cares. So just when you want to walk the other way, Take a pause and say, Lord, is it really you? Is it really you? And if it isn't, go the other way. But if it is, go talk to him. The second thing is this. Give strategically. Give strategically. What does that mean? You say, well, I want to be generous with my time, my money, whatever, but but I don't know how. Here's how. You can. You just got to plan. Have a plan to be generous. Look at this. Isaiah 32, I think it's verse 8. 32.8, 32.8, it says this, but generous people do what? Plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to be generous. They plan to do it. And that's, 
That's what it says in Scripture. Generous people plan to do it. Not only do they plan to be generous, they stand firm in their generosity. So I don't have a plan to be generous. Do you have a spending plan? How many's got a spending plan? Okay, not very many people. How many of you don't have a spending plan, but it still gets spent? <laughs> right? Money's really good at just spending itself. Hey, is that, is that money burning a hole in your pocket? That's what I heard growing up. My dad all the time. Right? Money spends itself. You have a spending plan, whether you want to or not. It's called a budget. How many of you got a budget? You want to revolutionize your finances? Get a budget. That's huge. I don't know. I don't have enough money. Do you even know what's coming in and going out? Have a budget. It doesn't take the anointing of the Holy Ghost to have a budget. It just takes common sense. Have a budget. All right? And then plan to be generous. Make it a priority. I've learned in working out that if I don't have a plan, it's not going to be fruitful. Because I go in there, yeah, I'll try this, and yeah, I'll try that, and maybe I'll try that. But when you've got a plan, you don't have to think about it. You walk in, you say, I know I've got to do these five exercises, three of ten. You do it, you get out, it's consistent, it's ordered, it's going to deliver something better because you've already dealt with it and you have a plan. Look, you've got a plan to spend, have a plan to give. Do you want to know how generous you are? Take, let's take the area of our prayer life. I had somebody mention this to me the first uh, week of this series. And I thought it was so good. They said, if you take the entirety of your prayers for the year, consolidate them and ask this question. If God were to answer every one of my prayers, who would be the biggest benefactor, me or others? So I did that. In the 90th percentile, upper 90th percentile, I'm the biggest benefactor. I pray for me more than I pray for Lauren. I pray for me more than I do my son. I pray for me way more than I pray for you all. I discovered even in my own prayer life, I'm not very generous. What happens is, is we become the center of our universe, and it's all about us, all about us, and that's natural. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, if you would, then I could. God, and that's what we do. But what if we realize, I'm going to put God first, so I'm not the center of my own universe. God becomes the center, the, center, the central focal point. And then before I pray about myself, I'm going to pray about others. I'm going to pray that God would bless the needs of others. Because the reality is, is we all have needs in here, don't we? If I went from the left, my left, all the way to my right and ask every one of you, if every one of you are honest and vulnerable, you would say a need. You all have a need. Some are bigger than others. We all have needs. We're all on an equal playing field. What would it look like if we just trusted God that if I, if I, put, if I put others first. I'm not saying don't take care of yourself. I'm not saying all that. But if you prioritize the needs of others, what would happen? You'd have a plan. You would be strategic. And it wouldn't be uh, contingent upon some Holy Spirit emotion prompting you to give. You'd say, this is what I'm going to do. And when there's spontaneous moments, respond, but have a plan. It's that simple. You can have a plan and you can start small. You don't have to start big. I think tithing is the beginning of having a strategic plan. It's a 10%. Now, that, that changes your life. If, that, if that's not something you're doing, and you say, well, I can't start with 10, start with 8%. And you say, well, well if I were to do that, because we talked about this week one, then that would change everything. Yes. No, no. If I were to do that, it may cost me something. Yes. If I were to do that, it would really stretch my faith. Yes, it would. So what's the argument? I agree 100% with you. 
See, we don't think we can because our priorities are out of whack, being generous. I was listening to this radio show, and this guy called in, and he was talking to this, uh, this financial guy who's also a believer. And he's like, yeah, man, my, I don't know what to do. My finances are out of whack. I make like 40 grand a year, and I can't do this. And the guy's like, well, do you, do you, do you give to charity? Do you tithe? Oh, I can't afford to tithe. He's like, well, tell me your situation. The dude made like 40 grand a year. He had an $800 a month truck payment. $800! Did you hear that? $800 a month truck payment. Give me a break. He said the first thing you need to do is get rid of the $800 a month truck payment and then put God first and have a plan. The thing is, is we want God to bless everything we're doing and not have to change a thing. God, I got this, I got that, I got that. Bless it. Boom. We ask God to bless what we're doing rather than participating in what God has already blessed. That's what happens. So what if you could set some of those things aside for a moment, prioritize what God says, and then enjoy those things a whole lot better when you can afford them? God doesn't care if you have a truck. If you can afford an $800 truck payment a month, go for it. I don't care. I don't care what your car payment is. If you can afford it, but if you can't, and you say, I can't be generous because I have this, 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 and this. No, no, no. It's saying, I won't be generous because I have this, this, and this. What's more important? That's the question that we have to answer. Now, this isn't full of guilt. This is just a practical way to look at it. You have a plan to spend. And here's the thing. We have a plan to be in debt. Whether we sat down and made that plan or unconsciously that plan happened. When I went to school, I took out student loans. And it was really easy. Sign on the bottom line, Josh. Okay, no problem. I'm 19 years old. I get to the end of school. Okay, Josh, you owe us $36,000. And because you consolidated in school, it starts tomorrow. I ain't got no job. Well, you can defer it for six months. Praise God, I'll defer it for six months. I did. I got a job. I started paying my student loans. I planned to be in debt. By the grace of God, I paid that off last year, 15 years early, right? Praise the Lord. It'll be a year in like a couple weeks. Woo! Hey, wonderful. I felt like monkey get off my back. But I, I, God didn't put me there. I put me there. I signed the paper. Did I have to go to the school I was going to? Oh, the Lord told me to go. I don't know if he did. At 19, did the Lord say, you shall be $40,000 in debt. That's my plan for you. Can't say I heard that from the Lord. But that's what I planned to do. And then God was faithful and it's all taken care of. But all I'm saying is we're, we're planning one thing or the other, whether intentionally or unintentionally. What are you going to plan to do? See, God called us to be spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. So often than not, what we do is we take unlawful possession of the church that we go to. This exists for me. I don't like the music. I don't like this. I like that. Not realizing that this doesn't exist for you and me alone. We exist for others. That's one of our values here. We exist for others. We live in a community. There's 176,901 people in Jefferson County who say they don't know Jesus. 176,901. That's a big number, but just think about one. One person. We contribute. It's through our contribution that the gospel grows. It's through our contribution and our generosity that this thing grows. It's through another person's contribution and generosity that we sit here today. It outlasts us. So just make a decision. You know what? I'm going to be a strategic person. I'm going to plan to be generous with my time, with my influence, 
with my resources, whatever that may be. Make a plan. And the third thing we do, and this one hurts the most, after we give spontaneously, we give strategically, is we say, I'm going to give sacrificially. Now that one's not fun. Because we know sacrificially it's going to cost us something. We're going to feel it more. There's a story in the, in the Bible when Jesus is looking at his disciples and they're watching these people give. It's an interesting thing to watch people give. We don't really do that here. We don't set up buckets along the front and then make you all come down and give. But in many cultures, that's what they do. Giving is just a very communal thing. I've seen it in Guatemala. I was in, Lauren and I were in Haiti six months after the earthquake in 2010 a huge earthquake. We are up in the mountains working in an orphanage and we're going to go walk down to this church and I find out about five minutes before you leave, hey Josh, you want to preach? Yeah, sure, I got something. You know? So we go down there, we, we, we walk, it's like an hour to get there and it's hot, hot and nasty. And we get there and they had the pastor sit on the stage. It's still one of those things. You know, the pastors stay up there for worship and everything. And it's really weird to watch other people worship while you're just staring at them and they're staring at you. Weird deal. It's kind of like preaching a little bit, you know, you're staring at me, I'm staring at you. Anyway, we get to the part of the service where they're going to give offering. They put their buckets out. Offering was 15 minutes long at least. They danced. They sang. It looked like a flash mob erupted in that place. I mean, they have this choreographed dance. These people had nothing. This church didn't have, didn't have um, it had dirt floors, no air conditioning. There was not even a fan blowing in that place. It was hot, sweaty mess. And these people, gave, I had never seen anything like it before. They danced. They gave. It was their pleasure to give. It blew me away blew me away. I thought, what if we try to do that back home? Right, that would be the weirdest thing ever. People are like, I am up and out of this church. It is not for me. Not for me. In Scripture, they are watching people give. And, and listen to this. It says, as he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money in the offering box, this is Jesus, many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And Jesus called his disciples to, them, to him and he said this, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. You know what's interesting about this? Jesus watches her give sacrificially. He understands that she's giving her very last and he doesn't stop her. He does the exact opposite. He celebrates her. I don't know about you. If I know somebody is putting in their very last, I'd be like, hey, I appreciate it. I love your heart, but you keep it. You need it more than we do. Jesus celebrates the sacrificial gift. Some of you say, well, God would never ask me to do anything that would potentially cause me to not be able to make ends meet. He would never ask me to do something that would hurt. He celebrates it. Now, this isn't me. This is him. Now, that's, a, that's an interesting thing. God celebrates the sacrificial gift. I used to work for Joyce Meyer Ministries on the road. We would travel to all these different cities and do conferences, and we were in Portland. And Portland is one of the, they have one of the highest rates of homelessness in the, in the country. There were homeless people everywhere in Portland. We were where the trailblazers play. There was these guys that we saw the day before that were sleeping outside the arena. The day, the next day, this Friday morning, they came into the conference the only seats that were still left were up front. So we brought these homeless guys up front, put them up front in the front row where, where some of the VIPs were sitting. They passed the offering bucket. I saw these homeless men dig in their pockets and pull out change and put it in the bucket as it went by. 
the same guys I saw sleep outside the arena the night before. Never forget that. Burned it into my mind. And I thought of the, the widow. See, God doesn't care about the amount that you give. God is looking at your heart. And there will come a time when God asks you to give something sacrificially. He will. And my question is, when is the last time that we gave and we felt it? When's the last time we gave and we felt it? Maybe not financially. Maybe it was our time. Maybe it was our, our, our resources. Maybe it was our influence. There's something powerful about a sacrificial gift. Now hear me, I'm not making a case for you to make a sacrificial gift to Faith Community Church today. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just asking you that if we're going to live this life as a Christ follower and that he gave sacrificially, that there will come a point as we follow in his footsteps that God will ask us to sacrificially give. It will happen. And the question is, is will we be able to trust him enough to say, God, this is, this is what I'll do. I will trust you and I will give sacrificially. Now, I'm not saying go home today, take, take an inventory of every penny that you have in your 401k, Roth, or any of that, and then empty it out. Hear me. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that God is going to ask you all to do that, okay? But I am saying there will come a point in time, and more than once, when he asks you to sacrificially give. Have you ever noticed why the human heart, or how the human heart is drawn to stories of sacrifice? It's interesting. It really defies conventional wisdom. You know, kind of evolution and naturalism and Darwin say that it's always the survival of the fittest. The strong beat out the weak. But humanity continually undermines that thought process. Why is it that when we're in a plane and they say if the oxygen or the pressure changes in the cabin, the masks will drop down and make sure you put your own mask on before you put the mask to help someone else? Why is that? If you're sitting next to a child... Your instinct is going to be to take care of them first, or there's someone weaker beside you. And they have to remind us, take care of yourself first, because if you don't, you won't be able to help someone else. That is a a sacrificial act that we are instinctively wired to do. On Netflix, they have this new series out there called Medal of Honor, and it goes through a bunch of the Medal of Honor winners throughout history. And I, I spent like four or five hours yesterday watching, I'm not going to lie. I just totally binged it. And I couldn't help but be so drawn to the stories of the sacrifice of these men in the series and what they did. They dramatize it. They retell their story along with interviews, and sometimes they're able to interview the, the, the person because they're still alive and sometimes not because they died and posthumously received the Medal of Honor. You, you, you are drawn to their story. I sat there in tears almost every story, listening to the decisions that these people made, that they gave their own life, not inherently for their country, but for the people that were next to them. Scripture says, greater love has no man than this, than he would lay his life down for his friends. We are drawn to sacrifice. There's something in us that supersedes this maybe naturalistic point of view that the strong always beat out the weak. And we, no, 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 no. I'm drawn to lay my life down for the weaker. I'm drawn to sacrifice when I don't inherently gain anything from it. Especially a lot of those men throughout war who said, I I won't be able to go home and see my family. I won't be able to realize my aspirations and hopes and dreams. I'm laying my life down for the sake of this person to my right and to my left. And we honor that in our culture with the highest medal possible, the medal of honor. And these people become heroes. 
The Medal of Honor winner said on there yesterday, he said, the Medal of Honor represents the worst day of our lives. The worst. Yet they gave their best in the midst of the worst day of their lives. Why is it that we're drawn to stories of sacrifice? I think it's the inherent residue of, the, of God in us. Because it is so in line with the gospel. The gospel is a story of sacrifice. The gospel is the story of the stronger laying their life down for the weaker and the stronger not benefiting or gaining anything. Jesus did not become God because he gave his life. He was already God. Already God. He didn't gain anything. We are the biggest benefactors of the gospel. He gave his life for you and me. That's the amazing thing. Because it's so important we understand this because when we talk about giving, we often separate it from the gospel and we can't. I ask, when was the last time we gave and felt it? Here's my other question. When was the last time that we were recipients of the massive blessing of sacrificial giving? And if you're a Christ follower in here today, you are a continual recipient of the massive blessing of the sacrificial gift. And that is Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. So when God says give spontaneously, he's saying, hey, give out of the same heart that I gave to you. Give strategically. Make a decision to give out of the same heart that saved you the gospel. Give sacrificially. I'm never going to ask you to lay your life down because I already did that. But give out of a sacrifice of yourself because that's what has been done for you. And that's who you are. And you are a Christ follower. Yeah. Why talk about generosity? Why talk about giving? Because it is rooted in the message of the gospel. It is who we are. We are Christ people. We are Christ followers. And like I said before, being generous is making a decision to orient your life around being used by God. We cannot be used by God if we are not generous. It's impossible. It's not even, I don't even think it's a choice. It's not even a recommendation. It's a command. Be generous, as I am generous. And then he empowers us to be generous. It's incredible. The amazing thing about this church is, is that this church is rooted in generosity from the very beginning. And our, our previous senior pastor, you know, 37 years ago almost, came and the church was almost going to be shut down, and I've shared this before, and they were in debt and, and bills were coming due, and, and they decided the way we're going to move beyond this, this time is we're going to be generous. We're going to tithe 10%. We're going to give. And they did. And the church gave its way out of debt and has been generous. And we are all recipients of the generosity of people who have come before. There are a few people here today that were, that were here the first day the church has opened, over 50 years, and they've been generous day, week after week after week. We are standing on their shoulders of generosity, of their sacrificial gifts. It's who we are. It's what we do. We are an open-handed people. God's posture towards you and me is this. Come. Come. Our posture to the world has to be come. God can get it to me so he can get it through me. But I want more. If I cannot manage and be generous with what I have, why would God ever give me more? Not because he doesn't want to. Not because he's stingy. But more would ruin you. God wants, to, wants it to flow. 
I think he's looking for a church it can flow through, looking for a people it can flow through. I talked about strategic giving, and I passed this up, but I wanted to share it. I got a call on Friday from Buckites. They called the church. They give to uh, organizations throughout the community, and they said, this year we chose Faith Community Church, and we want to give to you. Now, I don't know how much it is, but how often does a business call a church and say, hey, we want to give you money? Not very often. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. We didn't, we didn't solicit them, at least that I'm aware of. And they said, hey, we'd lo- really love to make a presentation to you today. I said, I can't make it today. They said, come by the store on Monday, and we'll give it to you. And I said, that's awesome. This is a, a business that is being blessed because of their generosity. Well, they need a tax break. Maybe. That's a benefit. All right? It's a benefit. But the sacrificial gift, we're going to give spontaneously. We're going to give strategically. And we're going to give sacrificially. There's a guy that goes to the church, been church a long time, and a few months ago he told me a story about how God asked him to do that, and the outcome was so cool. I said, can I share that? And he said, yeah. I said, well, send it to me. He said, a couple years ago, I saw a ministry that caught my interest. And after looking more closely into it, I wanted to be a part of it and spreading the gospel. So I asked God what he wanted me to give as a one-time gift. The amount that he gave me was out of my comfort zone, but I was sure it was from God. I joked with God as I was writing the check, letting him know this was more than I expected to give because I'm on a fixed income. He said, I had no idea how God would bring it back to me. About two weeks later after I gave, I got a letter in the mail from a doctor On opening it, there was a check inside made out to me. No note, just a check. I did not recognize the doctor. I asked my wife who it was. She had no idea. So I called the office knowing that there was a mistake. I explained to the woman who who I was and what happened, and she put me on hold for a minute and said, when she came back, she said, well, there's no mistake. We just moved into a new office, and we're going through our files and found out that in 1990-something, you saw the doctor, and you were overcharged the amount. He said, as soon as I hung up the phone, it hit me. It was more than what I had given to that ministry. He said, I started laughing and joyfully cried with God. What a father. He will not be outdone. Isn't that cool? How how many of you have ever just gotten a refund from a doctor or an insurance company? Yeah, well, there you go. I I asked that other service, and a guy said, hey, I had cancer a few years, like three years ago, and uh, had colon cancer, and just a couple weeks ago, I got a check, a refund check from them. They charged me too much. They were going through their files. I'm like, well, that's the second time I've heard that story in a few months. Now, that could be a little bit anecdotal. Is that going to happen every time? I'm not saying it will, but I am saying this. You can't outgive God. If he asks you to do something, he will supply every single need that you have according to his riches and glory, which are in Christ Jesus. And it may not be that if you give 500, he's going to send you a check for 750. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that God supplies and God meets needs. And God wants us to be open handed, generous stewards of his resources who are not imprisoned by the love of money and the love of things who are not buying into a mindset that says the only way I can be happy is to consume and have more. But the people who realize that that's empty and it's broken and I've never had enough. Because the moment I got what I thought I wanted, it wasn't good enough. It's like buying a truck and then three months later realizing it's $800 (laughs) a month. You hate the stinking truck after that, right? God wants us to have more of who he is so that we can bless people. And that's what I think is so amazing, is that. The kindness card that we've been giving out, that is a step for you just to start being generous, because I want you all to start small and grow big. 
I'm not asking you to say, I'm going to give $50,000 next year. No, no, say, I want to give X. Start small, grow big. See God bless it. See God multiply it. Have your faith grow. And you can continue to be strategically generous more and more and more. Start small, grow big. The kindness cards. Hey, week one, buy somebody's meal. Buy their coffee. Week two, just do something nice for them. Here's, here's week three we want you to do. Just tell somebody they're important. Handwrite a card. Put that in there. Tell them how much you appreciate them. Tell them what they've meant to you. Maybe you can ask somebody for forgiveness. Maybe you can forgive somebody this holiday season. Here's something a little extra to know that God loves you. You say, well, they don't deserve my forgiveness. They've never asked me for forgiveness. It doesn't matter. It's not for, you, for them as much as it is for you. You never know what a kind word can do. In an age of, of you know, digital communication, there's something about getting a handwritten card, isn't there? That someone took the time to write it out. You know what you can do if you don't want to do that? There are websites that have machines that handwrite the message you put in there <laughs> with a pen. And it can be sent to them like, oh, they handwrote me a card. And you're like, nope, I typed it, they wrote it, and sent it to you. <laughs> Check them out. Just do something. No problem, Pat. I love you. <laughs> Lauren Daigle, though. It's really good. Please be kind to somebody. Think of a, a, a word that you can share with them. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be a book. Hey, I appreciate you. Hey, you're important. Hey, tell that to the people this holiday season that are working in the stores that you go. I worked retail in college. It is thankless, and it feels like hell at times. Say, hey, you're doing a good job. I know that I just saw a person try on 15 outfits and they left them all on the floor and you got to fold them. Kudos to you. Here's a gift card. Here's a coffee. I don't know. Just, it's simple. It's simple. Hand them a card. Hey, you never know what can happen just by being generous in that way. Don't let the, 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 the spirit of generosity die out in this series, but keep it going. Make a decision that you can be open-handed. You can be generous. You can see what God will do in your life. And we'll see what happens in this church and in this community. But I want to pray for you this morning. If you would bow your heads. I want to just ask if there's anybody in here this morning. I talked about the, the sacrificial gift of the life of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and say, you know what? I want to receive that gift. I'm a sinner. I have sin in my life. I'm not living right. I, maybe I was believing and I, and I walked away and I want to get my life right. I just want to, I want to know him. I want to receive the generous gift of his life and his forgiveness. If that's you here this morning, would you raise your hand? Because I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning, thank you. Thank you. What else? Thank you. Thank you. What I'm going to do this morning is this. I'm going to pray. And I want everyone to repeat after me. Is there, is there a magic formula here? No, not at all. The Bible just says, if I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord, and I confess with my mouth that I will be saved. After we pray... There's a gift at the registration desk called a What's Next box. It has a Bible, has a book to help you get you started on your journey, right? I want you to grab that, no questions asked. But I'm going to pray. All of you that raised your hand, everyone else, just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your life. I thank you for your forgiveness. I need it. I have sin. I have brokenness. I have pain. I give all that to you. And I receive your life, your forgiveness, and your freedom. I declare in this moment, you are first place in my life. You are the leader 
you are Lord. I give you my life, and I receive yours. And I thank you that I am saved, forgiven, and set free. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person in here that just prayed that prayer, that made a decision to receive the sacrificial gift of Jesus Christ. I pray that from this point forward, may their life never be the same. For every other person in here today, God, may you help us to be generous. May you expose those areas of our lives where we're being just self-centered and it's all about us. And may you change our prayer life. May you change our, what, our, the posture of our hands that it can be open-handed towards not only you, but God, towards the people that we meet. Father, may you do something so incredible through this place. Father, will you give us more resources as we continue to help this community and show the love of Jesus Christ. And I believe that you will do exceedingly and abundantly above anything that we could ask for or imagine at the power that's at work within us. And that is the power of Jesus. I pray that you bless the Thanksgiving celebrations. God, that we have fun, we eat a ton, and the calories don't count, Lord. And I pray if there's any family situations that are tense, where reconciliation needs to happen, I pray that you would do a holiday miracle this year. You would bring healing and peace. If there's anybody in here today that's just not looking forward to the time around the table or having to do this, God, may they just have the peace of God that passes and transcends all understanding and guards their heart and mind in Christ Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' name. 